2: On this episode of the Heat Check, the very last domino in free agency has fallen, and you will never guess where Kelly Oubre has landed. We get into the latest comments from Ben Simmons, and let's just say it's 2018 all over again. We deep dive into Malcolm Brogdon, a.k.a. the Tree Shaker, and why he's pissed at the Celtics, and we drop some random news from around the league. So do me a favor, go ahead and drop that generic-ass beat that should be Rihanna James.
1: We're breaking down all the biggest
0: NBA storylines. You're tuned in. To The Heat Check, The Heat Check with Trista Crick. The best podcast covering all the drama around the association.
2: Woj bomb dropped last night. This is the bomb. This is the sound of the Woj bomb. Uh, One of the last dominoes in free agency fell on September 18th. He's been wishing, he's been hoping, he's been sending messages to random trainers around the league to contact GMs on his behalf to say, why don't I have a job yet? And now the mad chucker himself, one of the sexiest men in the league to men and women alike uh, has finally signed a contract. And we have been waiting to hear where that would be. We all want our dose of Kelly. I Chuck from 35 feet contested or non-contested Oubre. Uh, So what was the team that decided that it had to have Kelly Ubre? Miami because that's a match made in heaven, and they were linked to him for ages. Uh, No. The Lakers, because they're signing everyone, they do not care. No. The New York Knicks, because they need someone that can shoot from the outside, versatile wing, an absolute bucket. Kelly in New York feels like a natural fit on the billboard of Times Square in his underwear. No. It was the Philadelphia 76ers the traditional home of swaggy players who love to shoot a lot maybe when they shouldn't and some players that don't love to shoot even when they should uh aka Ben Simmons who we'll talk about a little bit later that is amazing Kelly Oubre and Nick Nurse together is amazing of all the teams and all the coaches in the world I never would have dreamed that Nick Nurse, I run the same five guys into the ground type of a coach, said, yeah, the player that adds an extra bit of X factor to us is Kelly Oubre. I'm not hating on Kelly Oubre. I I like Kelly Oubre just fine. I don't like his decision-making. He does make Jordan Poole look like Ben Simmons. He does. He is a chucker boy, and I get that they need some wing depth, And I get you needed some scoring when James Harden inevitably gains 75 pounds in the next four weeks. Uh, But this is just wow. This just don't make no sense. Ubre, career, 33% three-point shooter. He averaged 20 points a game in half a season last year on the Hornets. But we're still talking about the Hornets, right? No LaMelo ball at one point. This is a guy who's never shot 45% from the field in any season in the NBA. And that was when he was on the Warriors, and they were getting him good shots. And you add that to the fact that the older he gets, the more he shoots. He went from averaging 1.3 threes per game in his rookie year, that's fine, to now – Seven over seven threes a game, despite being one of the worst high volume shooters, three point shooters in the league, and he just continues to increase his volume. Yeah, yeah, why not just do it more? I know I wasn't great with four threes a game, but I think I'll be better shooting seven. That's supreme confidence right there in yourself. At one point, the guy averaged 17 shots a game and less than one assist. Kelly, So Kelly was asking this summer, like, why he hadn't gotten picked up on a team yet. Like that in a sentence, right there is why you didn't need to call a damn person. All you need to know is, at one point, you averaged 17 shots per game and one assist, less than one assist. He's never played really on a good team uh, outside of the Warriors. The Warrior, the Wizards won 49 games. When he was 21, uh, the Warriors were 39 and 33 in that 2020 season when he cost, cost them like $85 million in luxury tax. This is a contending team. Uh, the Warriors were very split about what they wanted to do in terms of picking them up. I think Steve Kerr reluctantly vouched for him, and that went that went sideways. Fast. Him and Eric Paschow were out there just chucking. So now we get to see how he meshes with Nick Nurse, who, has, who would never allow for this. Let's be honest. This is not a Nick Nurse decision. He said no, and they said overruled. No idea how he's going to react. When he gets a rebound, steals a rebound from Joel Embiid and pushes the ball up the floor, and takes a contested 35 footer five seconds into the shot clock after Nick Nurse has called for Maxi to run a pick and roll play. There would not be enough wind sprints in the world for Nick to make room for him next practice. It is just incredible. I think part of me believes this is some sort of punishment to James Harden. I don't know how, but it feels like it is. And Kelly Oubre on the Sixers with Joel Embiid is going to be fun. It's a it's a pretty fair deal for one year, considering that it's a vet minimum. Kelly's going to have a ton of incentive to build his reputation up so that he can get paid somewhere else next year. But boy, oh boy, can I not wait to see how this goes and to see the look on Joel Embiid's face and Nick Nurse's face, face the first time he pulls And Nick Young, a.k.a. a Kelly Ubrich. So my friend, good friend of mine, has a nephew. We'll call him We'll call him Danny. And Danny was a really, really good baseball player as a kid. And he had all the tools to make it to the Major League. Really great athlete, played catcher. He was being scouted. He was so good he was being scouted at 13 years old. Really a perfect baseball player in a lot of ways. But the problem with Danny is that Danny didn't give a shit about baseball. Danny was in love with football. All of his friends played football. All of his friends encouraged him to play football. What was the issue? There's a lot of two sport athletes out there like Deion Sanders, Bo Bo Jackson. Everybody's trying to play multiple sports. The, The problem with Danny, though, is that Danny was a bad football player. He sucked at football. He was too small. He wasn't strong enough to handle playing football at that level. The things that made him a great baseball player. His quick twitch speed, his hand-eye coordination, his IQ did not ma- matter at all in his teeny little mosquito body on the gridiron. But he still, for whatever reason, turned his back on baseball to pursue hanging out with his friends and probably playing grab ass in the locker room. Like And so he quit a sport where he had multiple D1 offers. And then the final game of his junior year of football, he suffered his fifth Concussion can no longer play contact sports again. The moral of the story first, just because you love to do something doesn't mean you're any good at it. And second, you could think something about yourself, but the reality of life that it does not make it true. What does that have to do with an NBA podcast? Well, we're talking about Ben Simmons. We're talking about new quotes from Ben Simmons living in Danny La La Land. No one likes talking less about Ben Simmons than I do. Philadelphia hates me because I said that he was going to flame out long before he did. And uh, But Ben managed to make himself a big story in this offseason, so we got to talk about it. I've been ignoring Ben this offseason like an online troll, uh, but now we've got an update after update on how Ben is healthy, how Ben looks ready to go. He's in the best shape of his life. He's shooting threes after threes after threes, and I was never going to take the bait. I was never going to talk about Ben, uh, but then, then you see him, and he's like talking about his position on the court again. In 2018, we're back at it again because he said this: "I'm a point guard. As much as try to people, as much as people try to put me in whatever a GM thinks in their head, I'm a point guard. I think with the team we have." I think it's constructed well for us to have a good run. Ben, 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 Ben. No. I think we've been through this before. It's the whole reason that I went in on Ben in the first place. Ben is not a point guard. Ben is Draymond Green with more less body fat. Ben doesn't shoot. We have all of the evidence that we know that Ben is not and will never be an effective point guard in the NBA. That is just, that is just facts. No matter what, no matter how much Ben Simmons desires to be a point guard, a starting point guard, one of the most highly paid players in the league, he will not give up on that dream to be the unicorn that everyone told him that he was when he came into the league. He was supposedly going to be an Australian Magic Johnson. And for a while, it seemed like it could be true. You watch summer league videos of Ben Simmons, and he looked incredible. He was shooting jumpers from the elbow, turnarounds, doing a little bit of everything. And that version of Ben may have been a point guard. But the 2020s, Ben, absolutely not. I'm not sure if it's, I don't, I'm not sure if it's going on inside of his brain. I'm not sure if it's muscle memory, but I will say this for the hundredth time. He can be a very effective defensive stopper at three or four. He may even play stretch five. But as a point guard, Homie is a liability and a major one 50 50 point guards in the NBA averaged more than Ben Simmons's 6.9 points per game last year 50 50 five, zero, 50 five, zero. There's not that many teams We're talking about we're talking about almost not just all of the starting point guards in the NBA but all of the the backup point guards in the NBA almost Almost every backup point guard in the NBA is a better sp- scorer than Ben Simmons. 75% of the NBA had a point backup point guard who had- was more consistent in scoring than Ben Simmons. And I know he was hurt. So let's just take his career numbers. 14.7 points per game. That would have landed him 24th in the league from point guards. Because why? It's, I feel like I'm just saying the same thing over and over. Point guards have to shoot. Not just jump shots, not just threes. More importantly, free throws in Ben's case. The position has evolved. 15 and 10 point guards, no longer championship caliber. You have to score. 18 current starting point guards average 20 a game. Eight point guards average 25 over 25 a game. This is now the requirement. Someone needs to sit Ben down and give him these stats. The last time we saw Ben... As a point guard, he was passing up layups, breaking free throws, disappearing in fourth quarters. 27 point guards last year took five or more three-point attempts per game. Over five per game, 27 of them. Ben has made five three-pointers in his entire career. Entire career. Ben just wants to do the same thing over and over again, and that's... That's insanity. The Sixers knew the ceiling for Ben playing point guard. I think Jacques Vaughn knows the ceiling for Ben Simmons playing point guard. And as much as you can blame Philly for not for putting Ben in a position to fail, Ben now is putting himself in a position to fail. There is no light at the end of the tunnel. Unless he miraculously starts making jumpers, I don't think this ends another way. Just because you love something doesn't mean you're good at it. And I think about what Alex Caruso said about the G-Leaguers who fall into the NBA, who fail. they He said, a big reason that guys get stuck in the G-League is because they do not realize the position they're playing for, they're trying out for. It's like going out for a job interview, thinking you're going to be the CFO, and they're looking for someone to clean bathrooms. I'm not saying that G- Ben is like a G-Leaguer, but what I'm saying is you can get in your mind that a team or your role is one thing when really your role is something else. And when those two things do not connect, Uh, You don't have a job, baby boy. And I know he loves point guard, and he's convinced himself that's the only place. But that's the only place when he's upset. Everyone knows you can't put a square peg in a round hole. And now Ben is out here lobbying for the Nets point guard position in the press when his head coach wants him to be a center. And we've seen what happens when Ben Simmons doesn't get his way. And that is when you see him courtside in his fire ass outfits when he should be in uniform it's not going to end well let's move on speaking of point guards i think it's time we talk about malcolm brogdon aka the tree shaker malcolm brogdon is a fascinating player because he's very talented we all know that he's the reigning Six man of the year we know that former rookie of the year too and yet malcolm brogdon on his third team in seven years. And currently was being shopped by the Boston Celtics. Tried very hard to trade him in the offseason for like one of the Morris twins. Why? What gives? Why haven't, hasn't he found a home? Like a forever home. He He's a guy good enough to win multiple individual awards. He should have zero problems getting set at all on a roster. Right? No. Apparently that's not Malcolm Brogdon's M.O. He's not a bad player. We know that. In fact, you could argue he's a very underrated player. So if it's not his play, why was Milwaukee as happy to see him move on as Indianapolis? Indianapolis, by the way, the centerpiece of the Indianapolis trade last summer, the centerpiece, the player that was the absolute like golden goose of that trade with Boston, Aaron Neesman. Aaron Niesmith and Daniel Tice in a first-round pick and some other randoms I don't even remember. That was enough to get them to run to the table and make a deal. And now, seemingly, Boston's like, yeah, we'll take a Morris twin. How about that? Hard to put a finger on. But now, if you look at his reaction to being included in trade talks this past offseason, it gives you a little glimpse. So Boston had a deal basically done to send Brogdon to the Clippers, Marcus Morris to the Wizards, and Porzingis to Boston. But then the trade blew up at the last minute, right, because it was rumored that Los Angeles was worried that Brogdon wouldn't pass his physical, which has kind of been a problem for for him in the past. So now Marcus Smart ends up in Memphis. Gary Washburn of the Boston Globe is now reporting that Brogdon is salty about it, which that sounds about Brogdon. Washburn said this on the Celtics Insider Podcast. Malcolm is the one I'm worried about because we've heard nothing and he's angry with the team, so I don't think communication from the two sides has been fruitful. Nothing says unhappy like a player pushing block on the team's GM cutting off all communications with the Celtics front office. When a player stops returning, Their front office members' text messages? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. This could get ugly. Washburn clarified some more. He said, there was a problem. He was not happy. Now, he is not happy in July. Is he the same level of unhappiness in September? We do not know. He hasn't talked to anyone all summer. Malcolm Brogdon was not happy about the deal of potentially being dealt. He was pissed. Here's the thing. Uh, I would take anything that Gary Washburn says with a grain of salt as he's very unpopular with the Celtics fan base, but I don't think he's wrong about this. Brogdon fascinating player, very outspoken. Remember he was the guy who called the Celtics out when they went down three Oh, by saying that they developed bad habits in the first round that came back to bite them. He has never managed to avoid being injury prone. We know that in fact, when the deal was with the Clippers got blown up over medical issues, Brian Windhorst reported that Malcolm Brogdon has a health issue, a health issue that is so significant that, as I understand it, that not only the Celtics cannot do this trade, there's probably no Malcolm trade that they can do in the short term. Oh, boy. And that injury was a torn tendon in the elbow. That's a bad, that's a bad one. But really, the one consistent thing that has followed him from team to team is that he falls victim to multiple ailments and misses a shitload of time. A shitload. 66, his 67 games played this year was the most in any season since his rookie year. Even this year, he missed time because of an ankle, an Achilles, hamstring, and back. That is doctor operation level of problems. And they are all different. And that's been his MO since he got into the league. He's always banged up. And when he's banged up, he doesn't want to play, even if the type of injuries that he does have, normal players would end up not missing games for. In 2017-2018, he missed 29 of the final 31 games. In 2018-2019, missed the final 13 games. 2019-2020, missed five of the last 10 games. In 2020-2021, he missed the final 10 games. In 2022, he missed the final 13 of the last 15 games. And even last year, he missed three of the final nine games for the Celtics. You add in 23 M's for Malcolm Brogdon. And you say to yourself, ooh, I don't know if I want to do that deal. That makes a very interesting situation. What's your value to the team, my boy? I don't know. That value does not always make it onto the floor. And when you're not on the floor, your value is zero. Even on the floor, Malcolm Brogdon is banged up. And when he's banged up, what I've also heard, is that he gets into the ear of other players that are banged up and tells them not to play. So it's like an injury plague cancer spread by the tree shaker, Malcolm Brogdon. With his injury last playoffs, he played in four of the final five games against the Heat and scored a total of two points in 50 minutes of play. Disgusting. Now that Marcus Smart is gone, it means we're going to get a steady dose of Derek White, who played amazing in the playoffs. Love him. That means that now Malcolm Brogdon's role as backup is even more critical. Is there going to be lingering hard feelings? Yes. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. Some people will point out that Brogdon has, seems to have problems with his previous teams. When he left Milwaukee, he was less than favorable in his assessment of Milwaukee. He famously said, Before I came to Milwaukee, I heard the city was the most segregated in the country. I heard it was racist. And then when I got here, it was extremely segregated. I've never lived in a city this segregated. Milwaukee's very behind in terms of being progressive. These are things uh, that need to change. Well, Malcolm Brogdon, welcome to Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, Not wrong about either place, but that's a very unexpected thing to say out the door. And then with Indiana, it was Brogdon who demanded a trade because he did not want to sit through a rebuild. Probably didn't love Indianapolis either as a city. Um, He did say Indiana did me very well. They did a good job. They gave me the option to pick between a few teams, and I picked Boston. Whether this issue has lingering bad feelings Is unknown. But the fact of the situation is, we need to take a hard look at whether the organization should have kept Marcus Smart and could have gotten rid of Malcolm Brogdon for nothing. And that will be something for him to accept and move on if the Celtics team wants to win.
1: Pet Meds has your furry friend protected with the best products to prevent flea and ticks all year long. Pet Meds pharmacists connect directly with your vet to save you time and deliver the best products for your pet. Pet Meds offers low prices on all flea and tick meds including NexGard, Simparica, and more. And Pet Meds AutoShip helps you save even more with additional discounts on regular shipments of Pet Meds dog food and other high-quality supplies. <laughs> So get ready for all the spring fun now. Visit PetMeds.com and use promo code PODCAST to save 40% on your first auto ship order. That's PetMeds.com and promo code PODCAST.
0: Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.
2: Speaking of Nick Nurse, so he gave a big interview on the eve of training camp. Uh, Well, we got training camp coming soon. Media Day is in two weeks. And the big takeaway is Joel Embiid needs to play more minutes. (laughs) Yep. That is what Nick told Sixers Wire. I think that we're looking at it maybe a little different than people think we might be. We're not trying to get him to play more games. Our goal is that it's going up for him, not the other direction. Some people would say, Oh, that's playoffs. Is he going to be, we're just trying to get it the other direction. I think that's just what our people believe here that he can play. And again, knock on wood, cross our fingers, all that stuff. What a quote. I am confused. Kind of fascinating. uh, Reminds me of what Stan Van Gundy said about Zion, that he didn't need to play less to stay healthy. He needed to play more. So, Nick giving MB more minutes is probably very in tune with his coaching philosophy, which is to keep his starters to play as many minutes as possible. And hopefully that keeps him healthier in the process. We'll see about that one. Going to be a fun little piece of tension to watch those two duke it out. Quick update on Dame Lillard. Uh, not, Dame is now out here spinning how the whole trade situation has gone down. Not really interested in what he has to say. Uh, about that other than for the first time in a long time, he said he'd he'd wish and would be happy to finish out his entire career in Portland. Do not want to talk about his deleted IG story where he said, future Heat legend. No, what fascinates me is that there is a secret team that appears to be making a move to swoop in and steal Dame from the Miami Heat. What team could that secret team be? Sam Presti and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Oh man, do I love this for both teams. Sports Illustrated Chris Mannix reports if Dame is still on that Blazers roster in January, and if OKC is overachieving, if they're playing really well, do not be surprised if they go out and make a run at Lillard. Hell yeah. The Thunder have to cut good players anyway to get under the number this year. They have so much talent on the team, they have a million draft picks, they're staring down the barrel at three first round picks next year, meaning even more cuts because all of those contracts are guaranteed. And you know what that means? Trading first round picks and young talented players like Alexey Pokashevsky, Lou Dort, maybe Josh Giddy to the Blazers for a game. And this right here is everything that I wanted as a Blazers fan players that I can feel good about draft picks that I can feel good about Dame gets a chance to win it all. He gets a chance to play with Shea Gilgis Alexander and Chet and a bunch of other young, talented players. Scoot and Shaden get paired with young, awesome talent too. OKC is building a brand new stadium for $900 million that keeps them there until aliens come down and steal our earth. I can think of no better way for building excitement than Shay and Dame. And as an aside, Scoot Henderson loves Portland. He said this, I think living here is pretty dope. All the people show love and support, the best fans, I see why they say that. So if Dame has to go, I say, fuck the heat and their bullshit. Will we, won't we throw in Nikola Jovich? Will we, won't we throw in Caleb Martin? I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. We want OKC because... They have a Brinks truck, and you know what? Miami is a miser, and they are cash poor. Finally, some breaking news. We move on out of Milwaukee. There's a whole lot of fear in Deerland, Deerville, whatever the fuck they call it, about Giannis already seeding his exit from Milwaukee. But there is one guy out there doing his best to set the record straight. Talking about Chris Middleton. He put to bed one of the biggest controversies in NBA circles. Who's the real number one option in Milwaukee? Okay. All right. Chris said this. There's never been a struggle about who's the number one and number two between us. As we got older, the respect that was formed and bonded between those intense practices, then as time goes on, we realized none of this matters. Oh, sounds like... The quote of a loser. We had our battles in practice. Now our job is to go out and win. So whoever is one, two, three, four, five, that doesn't matter. As long as we win, everything takes care of itself. Everybody gets paid. Everybody is happy. And everybody gets to go wherever they want to go. Everybody gets to go wherever they want to go? That's just the way we learn? Hold up. He just snuck in. Everybody gets to go where they want to go. I hope he means winning the championship. It's never really been a struggle between Batman and Robin. Batman knows he's Batman and Robin knows he's Robin. Uh, And these two did have tension before Giannis gained 150 pounds of pure muscle. And Chris Middleton, we realized, was an absolute bucket. But Chris Middleton, really? Really? It feels like Chris Middleton Middleton still kind of believes there's a debate between Who's the number one option and who's the number two option? It's like Jeremy Renner being like, you know, there's never really been a struggle about who's the number one and number two between me and Tom Cruise on the set of Mission Impossible. A lot of other people think that I do stunts better than him, but when we're all doing stunts, we can all win and make good movies. It's like, ah, okay, Middleton, you're a great player. But Giannis is without question one of the three best players in the league. And you're not even close to a top 10 player. No question between who's number one and number two. What an absurd quote. Chris Middleton is is like Spain saying there's no struggle with the U.S. in terms of who controls NATO. He's the potato telling the steak that they're both equally important on the dinner plate. He is Molly Karam being like, yeah, there would be no first take without me. And by the way, Chris Middleton, without Drew Holiday, Giannis is out. Deuces, see you later. You need to be begging at Drew Holiday's feet, kissing his toes, hoping he doesn't retire in 12 months. Otherwise, Giannis is gonna be playing for Golden State. That's why Giannis said he would even consider coming back. And the only reason was Drew has to stay. And we know that Drew says he wants to retire. So Chris Middleton in the Batman Robin scenario is more like Alfred. I like Middleton a lot. That is just an objectively funny quote. More the kind of thing you would see from Kelly Oubre than Chris Middleton. That's all the time that we have for this little baby episode of the Heat Check. Come back for an all new episode later next week. Check out the feed for past episodes, mini episodes which will drop unexpectedly. And follow the Heat Check as we head into a new NBA season. Do not forget to download, subscribe and tell your friends every single one of them and follow us on social at at this heat check and at trista crick on tiktok instagram and twitter thanks so much to my new producer james shout out to him he's a philadelphia 76ers fan had to live through that whole uh monologue and we will see you next time